Hello, my name is Katherine Moore, social worker, mom, coffee lover, and founder of Social Workers Rise, where we inspire social workers to connect, expand their knowledge, and change more lives than they ever thought possible. I'm so excited you found my podcast. We will talk everything social work on every level from micro to macro. We will hear the stories of social workers who are doing big things, learn new skills, and most importantly, give you actionable steps to make a difference today. Let's go. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Social Workers Rise. It is your host, Catherine here. This week, we're getting all the details about how to prepare for an interview as a school social worker. We're talking with Jasmine Lamite, who is actually the one hiring school social workers in her school district. I wanna give you a little bit of background information on school social work, some statistics that you need to know, and what kind of salary ranges are we going to be looking at on a national United States level. So in a nutshell, overall, School social workers are the ones who are providing social services and assistance to students and families in the schools with the overall goal of improving the social and psychological functioning of the children and families in the school. They're really trying to maximize the well-being and the academic functioning of the children so that, you know, they stay in school and they don't drop out. Uh, I did some quick research. So this is based on June 2022 research. I looked up the Bureau of Labor and Statistics, and their most recent data was from 2021. So on a national level, you can expect the average salary for a school social worker to be about $32 an hour, and the average yearly is $66,700. But there are a lot of variables to these numbers. This isn't including if you have a bachelor's, a master's, or if you're licensed. Additionally, this is all the states combined. So if you live in one of the higher paying states, then that's going to look a little bit different. The top paying states are going to be New Jersey, Connecticut, District of Columbia, New York, and of course, California. And the places where they're hiring the most or that have the highest level of employment of, uh, of school social workers is going to be in California, New York. No surprise there. That's probably where the most um, concentration of children are in schools. And then followed by Texas, Pennsylvania, and Illinois. So these, everything's changing so fast right now. Social workers are in extremely high demand. And so when I saw that the stats were from a year ago, I said, oh, I don't really trust that because I think that the stats have gone up. And I was right. So I did a quick search on social work jobs near me. I'm in Southern California, but I also looked at other states around the country as well. And this is what I found. Again, the salary range is all over the place everywhere from 48,000 per year, which is the lowest that I saw if, and this was for 
if you're new, if you're straight out of school, you're not licensed yet, all the way up to 114,000, which in talking to some of my school social work buddies, I'm pretty sure you can go higher than 114,000, but that was what I was able to pull in the, in the search. So anywhere from 48 to 114 per year, which is pretty sweet. And again, a lot of them require a master's. They want your MSW. They also want to see that you are pursuing licensure. And a lot of the jobs, LCSW is not necessarily required, but it definitely, definitely helps because I did notice a big salary jump when, um, when the positions had an LCSW specified. They are going to pay you more. A lot of times uh, we get asked, you know, what kind of experience or is there any kind of certificates or extra training that I should get in order to prepare for, for these types of jobs? I would, first I would say, go and look on the job descriptions and read a bunch of the job descriptions for the types of employment that you want and see what they're looking for. In my quick search, I saw that a lot of the positions called for experience, obviously experience with youth, working with children, but specialties included uh, children with trauma, LGBTQ+, plus, uh, children with chemical dependency or addiction, um, emotional disturbance. So if you can find ways or areas or trainings that would focus around these, or if you can get experience with these types of population first, then that could be helpful to to landing that interview in the first place. We're gonna hear a short ad by our sponsor, The Rise Directory, then we will hop right into our conversation with Jasmine Lamite. This episode is proudly brought to you by The Rise Directory, a national directory of clinical supervisors who are dedicated to helping the next generation of clinical social workers grow in their clinical skills. The link is in the show notes. Check it out and tell every clinical supervisor you know about this directory. Hi, Jasmine. Welcome to the Social Workers Rise podcast. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited too. Yeah. School social work is a really hot topic. People love, love school social work. And I can definitely see why you get the summers off. I mean, that's <laughs> yes. my big reason. Definitely a big, a big reason uh, to go into the field. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And plus, you know, you guys do very important work, very much needed within the school system. Uh, people love working with the kiddos. So definitely. good. Yeah. And you get to see, you know, kids, in other types of environments, right? So not just your, your one hour session, you get to see them at their basketball game or, you know, at lunch or, you know, other parts of their life, which is really fulfilling. That's cool. So it's not always, you're just seeing them when there's a problem. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Which is different than medical social work. Cause we really only see you when, when you have a medical problem. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, I know that a lot of people, well, we're going to start graduating here. It's uh, May, so yeah. they're going to be start graduating, applying for these jobs. Um, if they haven't already, wait, now that I think about it, if someone wanted to start in September, mm -hmm. when do they need to apply? Now. <laughs> they, okay. Yeah. 
Um, you know, we we start the hiring process for the following school year, typically is February, March. Um, so we'll post our, um, you know, job descriptions and all of that. Uh, and then, you know, I know for people that are like, well, I don't have my degree yet, or maybe I don't have the credential yet, um, I would say still post, um, still apply, because you can put on your resume, you know, expected graduation or expected credential date. Um, and, you know, if it's a repute, re reputable program, you know, like I know, we always have people from USC, and I know that they're those credentials and that degree is going to clear. Uh, so I would still apply, even though you're waiting, because um, definitely now is the time when we're trying to hire. Yeah. Okay. That's a good, good thing to know. If we, if we happen to be listening to this episode later, we kind of missed this window. Um, what is some experience that we could do maybe for a year or, you know, however long just to make our resume really stand out and, um, and get us some good skills, like what type of positions or roles or skills would be helpful for, um, as a prerequisite for a school social work position? Yeah, so I, you know, I obviously I love accepting people that have been in schools and know just the kind of the unique um, position that we're in as a school social worker, but I have hired amazing people on my team um, of, of social workers in schools that have um, experience in community-based mental health. Uh, maybe they did work within the foster care system. Uh, you know, maybe they, um, you know, worked in schools in like a different capacity. I've had people that have been, you know, ABA therapists, or they've been, um, you know, working at summer programs. So, you know, I think the main thing for me is I want to make sure that they know how to work with children uh, and that they have that experience and that passion. And then in the interview, you can really highlight how that those skills can translate to school social work, um, you know, based on the job description that you're interviewing for. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Are there required prerequisites or certifications that we need to become a school social worker? Yeah, so it, it really varies by state. Uh, so in California, we have the Pupil Personnel Services Credential or the PPSC, uh, which not all MSW programs have a, um, a program for PPSC. So I know, for instance, you know, USC has one and Cal State Long Beach have one. Um, but, you know, Cal State Dominguez Hills doesn't, uh, but UCLA has a post MSW PPSC program uh, that you can enroll in. And it's like five Saturdays, and then they'll take your any school internship that you had in your MSW and apply those hours to count for the PPSC. Uh, I know, you know, I, I got my master's degree in Chicago and they have a, a school social work credential called the type 73. Um, but I do know there are states that don't have a requirement at all. So best to look and see what the requirements are on your um, at your local level. OK, and would that be with the Board of Education in your state? Yeah. So um, in California, it's the uh, credential, uh, the CTC, the credential teacher credentialing um, agency. Uh, so, and I know in Illinois, it was something similar. So yeah, you can definitely check on your school's like education or your state's education website to see what are the credentials for each position that are required. Okay, that makes sense. All right, cool. Um, so when we are applying or, um, you know, kind of tailoring our resume to a school social work position, are there certain skills that you would recommend that we highlight? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would, you know, I think every school social work position looks a little bit different in terms of the job description and who's writing it, right? If it's somebody that is like me, who's a social worker, who's done the job, you know, if mine looks a certain way. And then, you know, if it's a 
people at a charter school who maybe got some funding and wants a school social worker, what they have envisioned for what that role is might be completely different. Uh, so I think starting with your base resume of the things that you've accomplished, the things that you've, um, you know, the things that really stand out. And then I would look at each job description and tailor the resume a little bit so that, you know, the things that are listed on the top usually are the things that are the priority for the role. So you want to make sure that that is either captured in your cover letter or captured in your resume. Um, in terms of skills, you know, I, that's something that I, I'm actually getting more used to seeing on resumes. Um, so that's not something that I always look at. I'm really looking at the experience. Um, I'm looking at, um, you know, the um, how long they've been in the field. I'm looking at also you know, are there grammatical errors or other things that, you know, um, would indicate, you know, their writing ability, their communication style. Um, but I would say, you know, even if it's not on the resume, something to highlight would be um, time management, um, you know, being able to backwards plan, right? So looking at the scope of a year and seeing, okay, what am I focusing on in August? What am I focusing on in September? Uh, priority, prioritization, right? So everything is important. And then there's things that are the most important, right? So student safety always comes first, uh, but it doesn't necessarily take away from that deadline that you have on Friday. So how are you going to adjust your schedule in order to get those things done as well? Um, you know, the big, the big things like empathy, compassion, all the things that you would imagine a social worker would have. Um, but I, I would say in schools, you have to be really flexible. Uh, you have to be able to, you know, make a way and find a way. <laughs> so you may not always have a space to work and, you know, you're not always the, the top of mind when people are planning things. So you have to make your voice heard uh, to, to make sure that your needs are being met as well. So a lot of different skills that I heard there, communication, advocacy, uh, time management, prioritization, um, empathy. I mean, a lot of different skills that we can have that we, a lot of times we naturally have, but some others we might have to work on a little bit. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so you have actually done interviews for school social workers. Is that right? Like you host the interviews? Okay. Yes. yes. For the last, I would say seven years. Um, so yeah, we, you know, going through the resumes, um, doing screeners with people to see if they're a good culture fit, designing interviews, all of that. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, okay. We want to know what do you ask in the interviews or if you can't give all the details, like what are the <laughs> types of questions that we should expect? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I definitely will say that every year I update the questions to, you know, based on learning from people that I've hired or learning, you know, kind of what's what's relevant at the time. Um, so even this year, I've made some adjustments. I want to make sure that I'm including questions about um, anti-racism and how your, you know, your racial identity impacts the work that you do with your students and the communities that you serve. So I want to have that sense of self-awareness, uh, regardless of um, how you identify racially. That's a really big, um, really important to me and to be able to be culturally responsive in your sessions with students. Um, I, I also ask specific questions about supporting LGBTQ youth and any experience um, working with trans and non-binary students. How are you supporting them? Um, I don't expect people to be an expert, but I'm also looking again for alignment that you know your values align with what I find to be important for my department and the work that we're doing. Um, so be prepared to answer questions like that, I would say. And then, you know, I would say 
there's get probably going to be questions, um, you know, about uh, the special education process. And so I know for interns uh, or people that are just graduating in your social work program, you may or may not have had a lot of experience actually delivering um, counseling to students with IEPs because you're not credentialed. Uh, so you really need to be able to um, highlight ways that you were able to insert yourself in that process or do some research. What are the different eligibilities? You know, even though I haven't carried a case, I've, I've been to IEP meetings, I've seen how the notes are documented, right? Uh, so that to me, there's those things are coachable. But if you have completely no understanding, I'm like, Ooh, I don't know about that. Um, I would also say be prepared to answer a lot of scenarios and vignettes. Um, you know, we love those in social work. And, uh, you know, especially in an interview that has a principal or somebody that's not in the field, it's really their one of their only opportunities to see, you know, kind of the things that would happen behind closed doors that are confidential. Um, so, you know, when you are uh, going over uh, your answer for um, a vignette, make sure that you take your time. Um, I have noticed when people just immediately answer as soon as we're done reading the scenario, they often miss pieces to the question. Um, you know, it may not be as thorough, it might be rushed. So it's okay to like take some time. I, in my interviews, I always, I'm a visual learner. So I always either copy it and put it in the chat or or give them a visual copy so they can read it as I'm saying it aloud. Not everybody is that nice. <laughs> so have a, a pen and paper ready to take notes um, about how you're going to answer. And make sure you there's a, a tech in uh, interviewing called the STAR method. So situation, task, action, results. So as you're responding with you know, what you would do in a certain scenario, make sure you hit all of those points. So what happened? Um, you know, what, what were you required to do because of that situation? Um, what was the um, actions did you take? And then what was the outcome of it? Um, so make sure that it's kind of answering all pieces of that. Nice, very good tips. Thank you for sharing. Hey, it's Catherine here. I hope you're enjoying this episode. We're gonna take a quick break to listen to this ad from our sponsor. If you're planning to take the BBS Law and Ethics exam, the ASWB Master's or Clinical Licensure exam, or if you're studying for the MFT exam, then you need a proven program that can help you understand the exam questions and pass with confidence. If this is you, I highly recommend the Therapist Development Center. I personally use TDC to pass my law and ethics and clinical exams and found the program provided me with everything I needed to pass with confidence. TDC's program integrates various ways of learning in an organized fashion, containing all of the information you need to pass without the overwhelm. And now, bonus, TDC is also offering a library of continuing education courses that fulfill your license renewal requirements and will support you in your career development. If this sounds like something that you need, visit their website, therapistdevelopmentcenter.com and use the code SWRISE10 at checkout to receive 10% off any of their CE courses including their brand new course, On the Edge of Life, an introduction to suicidality. You can also check out the link in the show notes. One question that kind of popped in my head as you were talking about, you know, having experience in certain education, would you say that knowledge, like what would be more important, I guess, knowledge, experience, or 
passion um, slash motivation? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think personality and like culture fit in terms of like the school culture are the most important things to me um, because those are things that are difficult to teach and coach. Uh, so, you know, experience is great too, but there's also, you know, if somebody is really set in their ways and I have a certain way that I like to do things, I almost like having kind of people that are green and fresh and moldable to come in and kind of like mold them into the, you know, social workers that I um, have on my team. Uh, so for me personally, that's usually what I'm looking for. Um, is, you know, do, do we connect? Um, are you able to, even if you don't know an answer, are you able to like have good critical thinking to kind of problem solve how you would um, approach that situation? Because for me, you know, I've been a social worker, you know, including internship year, like 14 years, right? And there's still things that come across my table or consult calls that I get that I've not experienced, right? But I'm able to pull from my previous experiences, I'm able to use critical thinking to figure out how to how to respond. Um, and so that's that's a skill that I think um, makes really great social workers. Like we don't always have the answer, but we figure out how to find an answer. Right. Yeah. And we're never going to know everything because no. things are constantly changing. Yes, so we, exactly. So new problems, new solutions, new laws, new regulations, new students. Exactly. Yeah. And that must, you know, that's what makes our field so exciting, right? You don't, you shouldn't be staying stagnant and doing the same things that you did in your career 10 years ago. Um, there's things that are going to adjust and evolve um, and completely throw out for new things. Yeah, definitely. For sure. So personality fit, which I can see that, uh, you know, once you mention it, because I'm thinking back to when I was working on teams, when there is a personality misfit, if you will, <laughs> someone who is kind of just, just not jiving well with the group and there's conflict and it turns into a toxic environment very quickly to yes. the point where I would contemplate like not wanting to go to the meeting, not maybe not even wanting to go to work, depending on, on how the situation is. Right. So. Yeah. And that's, you know, there's what are they, one bad apple can spoil the bunch. Right. And I never, you know, as me hiring for school teams, I don't want somebody that I bring in to be that problem. I want them to be part of the solution. Uh, so that's really important to me uh, for sure is making sure that they are aligned with our values, you know, the personality. Um, I look for people that can build rapport really quickly. Um, you know, we usually within like the first 10 minutes of the interview, you can kind of tell if, wow, I'm like leaning in to learn more about you or like, oh, okay, this is, I'm not really, I'm not feeling it, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, and that's, I think an important skill because in schools, you know, we have kids that are on our caseload and then we have kids and families that just show up that we've never met. Um, often in there, you know, in a crisis situation where you need to be able to build rapport and trust really quickly so that they feel comfortable so you can support them with the next steps. Um, so in an interview, you know, your first impression and being able to pull us in is, is really important. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. And for all areas of social work and honestly, just kind of working in general, if you're working with people yeah. to be able to build that rapport very quickly. Uh, but especially with us, because sometimes we'll be doing crisis response and yep. we don't have time to do a full intake and assessment and get to know you and read your whole profile nope. <laughs> before we go. We just have to go and say, oh my gosh, yeah, what's going on? Jasmine, I'm here to help. How do I help? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, so what, what are some other tips, maybe some random tidbits that we hadn't mentioned 
um, that you feel is important for someone who's going to go in to start school social work? Because a lot of times we have new social workers listening to this or mm-hmm. social workers looking to make a transition and they'll listen to this episode before they go into an interview or to prepare. So is there anything else that you would add to help them with that? Yeah. Um, so I think this is a common one, but you'd be surprised how many people I do interview and I feel like they haven't done this. Uh, definitely do your research about the school, uh, about the organization, about the, the job description, like what exactly is being asked. Oftentimes, um, questions are going to be pulled from those three things, right? Like, what is our mission? So thinking about what kind of questions might be asked related to that, um, you know, any new initiatives that might be posted on the website or on their social media. Uh, and I know for me, you know, for asking, um, you know, what, what brought you to apply to this position? Um, this is an opportunity to really stroke the ego of the hiring team, right? Oh, well, I saw on your website that you do X, Y, and Z. And I love that. And it aligns to me because blah, 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 right? So it's like, wow, one, you're you're making me feel good because I posted that. And two, you know, you're showing that you did your research. Um, so that's really important. Uh, I would say, you know, when you are preparing for your um, the scenario responses, make sure that you, you can identify even before the interview, like think of um, some accomplishments that you've had or challenges and just kind of practice writing a prompt using that STAR um, situation task action result, uh, just so that you're coming in with already some things top of mind that could be applied to any type of question. Um, they're most likely going to ask something related to crisis situations, you know, suicide risk assessment. So if you have had opportunities to do that, definitely, you know, have those ready. If you haven't, do some research about, you know, what you would have done in those situations. Um, there's a lot, probably a lot of questions about behavior because that comes up <laughs> quite a lot. Um, even though we're not behaviorists, we're often the kind of the point person for that as well. Um, so I would, you know, I think you can do Googling too, and it can be your friend and kind of just to prepare you for interview questions. Even if they don't come up, you'll feel a lot more confident going in if you have had those kind of succinct um, answers ready to go. Uh, the other thing I would say is the leaving a lasting impression. So we, you know, this yesterday alone, I had three interviews for positions. Tomorrow I have another three. So, I, you know, for us, we're seeing candidates a lot. And so you definitely want to think about ways that you can stand out. Uh, one way to do that is the questions that you ask at the end of the interview. Um, so you'll always usually have an opportunity to ask questions. Um, you can ask logistical questions, um, but make sure if you're asking a question like salary that it's not already posted on the website. I don't mind when people ask that because I'm a course, I would want to, I don't, I wouldn't want to continue in an interview process, but I didn't know what I was getting paid. But I know some people, some interview um, interviewers that really rubs them the wrong way for whatever reason. Uh, so if it's not available, I think it's appropriate to ask if it's very clearly on the website or on the job description, like don't ask that. Um, the other thing, um, you know, making sure that your questions stand out, the common questions I get every, like every single time to the point now in my beginning interview, I have the candidate, like, tell me about themselves, what brought them here. And then I pause and I talk, talk about our department because there are questions that come up all the time. So I'm like, let me get ahead of this. So like supervision always asked. So I already frame that, um, you know, what is the typical day of a school social worker is another one that comes up a lot. And I always say there isn't a typical day if you worked in school social work. Um, so thinking about questions that um, will be like, wow, this person's really done their research or they, you know, are really a critical thinker. Like what, 
what would you hope that I'd accomplish within the th first three months of being um, employed with you? Um, or, you know, what would be a major need at the school? that you would want me to prioritize and address first, right? So things like you're already putting yourself in that position and thinking about, you know, how you're going to make an impact um, that those always stick out to me. And it doesn't hurt to follow up with an email, um, just thanking the, um, the team. If you don't have an email uh, address, you know, you, you usually you have somebody that you've been coordinating with. Um, so I know we have a talent associate that kind of does the scheduling for me, but she will always forward me any emails that come in saying, thank you so much. And just again, highlighting some of your skills and your excitement for that position. So those always stick out to me as well. Okay. Awesome. So some really great tips on, um, how to prepare, how to research, and also how to stand out among like a number of applicants that you're having to see all the time. Those mm -hmm. are awesome. Um, what? So two more questions for me. And I'm wondering, you know, how important is it that we know about the DSM diagnoses? Um, not really important, important at all in schools, actually. Um, you know, I'm speaking for just what I know about Southern California and Chicago, so I can't speak for every state, but, you know, you we can't diagnose in schools typically in um, the school social work position, even if, you know, like I'm licensed, like I could diagnose, um, it becomes a liability um, if a, you know, even if you have done like a screener and you like know that this child is depressed, if you were saying, you know, this child is depressed, um, that could just open up some lawsuits and things with parents. And I know California is like one of the most litigious states <laughs> in terms of, you know, special education law and, and even, you know, with families. So um, you can say like depression-like symptoms or ADHD-like symptoms with encouraging them to then, you know, get a referral for um, an evaluation. Uh, so, you know, you don't have to know those things. Um, I think having the basics, right? So the common, um, you know, um, uh, mental illness that we see in children in schools would be depression, anxiety, um, trauma, uh, it would say are pretty like the big three. Uh, so knowing the symptoms of those, I think if you have that in your pocket, that's pretty much like the main things that you might see in an interview. Okay, awesome. And how important is having a LinkedIn profile or an online presence when, uh, when applying to a job? Yeah. Um, you know, not in schools, not as important, I would say. Um, I don't think I've ever, for a candidate, really like looked them up on social media or tried to find them on LinkedIn, especially because LinkedIn will say, this person's looking at you. I'm like, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> Confidentiality, like, LinkedIn. Right, Come on. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, she's stalking me. Um, but yeah, it's not something that we, I know in, in my, my 23 schools and even like some of my colleagues that are, it's not something that we typically look into. Um, yeah. So, you know, I think it helps when you're, if you're able to make connections with people, if I've gotten, I have gotten people finding me on LinkedIn, um, you know, saying that they applied and like, that's fine. Um, so that I might look at, look at their page. So you want to have that set up, but um, I think it's an important networking tool to have in general, but not usually something I'm, I'm basing, you know, people moving through the process on. Sure. Okay. So it's helpful, but not required. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jasmine. Was there anything that we didn't cover? I feel like we covered a lot today. 
Um, I guess the other thing I would say about social media is the only times where it's come up is, you know, once they're hired. And if you ha do have a pretty public social media presence, I will tell you right now, parents and caregivers, kids are going to be looking you up. So, you know, I've always had my personal page, like super private and blocked. Um, you know, not, I don't have anything crazy on there, but I just don't <laughs> want to open up that door of um, students and families like being let into that part of my life. Um, so, you know, and still I'll have kids find me because they're friends with like a teacher on there or something like that. So, you, you know, definitely when you do get your job, be prepared for that and, you know, decide if you want your page private um, or if there are things that you maybe need to remove that can be taken out of context, uh, you know, something to think about when you work with kids. Definitely. Yeah. Cause they're super tech savvy. They'll find you. Oh yeah. They will find you. <laughs> so where can we professionally connect with you? Professionally? Yes. Um, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, my name is Jasmine Lameet, like nice to meet you. Uh, and uh, you can also find me on my Instagram at social work sage. Awesome. I'm never going to forget your last name now. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone mispronounces it like Lamite, but if I say that, I'm like, you'll never forget. <laughs> yep, yep, it's so true. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jasmine. It was a pleasure having you on. Yeah, thank you. And um, let me know if you um, need anything else or if you want me to follow up with any questions that come through. I'm happy to, to come back. All right, definitely. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Social Workers Rise. If you loved it, please open up your iTunes, tap the five stars, and leave a short note on why you love listening to the Social Workers Rise podcast. Also, if you want to share it on social media, I absolutely love it. You have me fangirling all over you. Take a screenshot and share it and tag me at social workers rise on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, just want to leave a little bit of legal disclosure here that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in the social workers rise podcast are for general information only and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done so at your own risk. This podcast should not be used in place of professional advice, therapy, or clinical supervision. And with that, my friends, I'll talk to you next week.